Chapter 3, Feeling the Fear and Doing It Anyway There's something you need to know from the start of this journey. Your fear is still going to be with you, and may even increase as you move forward on this journey to discover the truth about your gender identity. In any good story, the main character usually has reluctance to take on whatever challenge they are being faced with. How many times in The Lord of the Rings did Frodo say he wasn't meant for this type of adventure? How many times in the Hunger Games series did Katniss throw her bow and arrow down, both literally and figuratively, and try to walk away from her destiny? Think of your fears as unwanted guests in your home. They aren't leaving anytime soon, so you need to come up with a plan to deal with them. The more you get to know them, the more you'll know what to do about them. By examining the root of your fears, you'll shift from feeling as if they are controlling you to you feeling more in control of them. This mastery comes from having awareness and understanding of your fear and then using this knowledge to break its hold over you. This chapter will provide you with the tools to keep your fears from paralyzing you as you may move closer to the truth about your gender identity. Learning to work together with your fear. What follows is a visualization exercise to help you gain a different perspective on the role of fear in your life. Through this shift, you'll learn how to work together with this fear as opposed to letting it overpower and paralyze you. Okay, so um, this next part is going to be something that you might want to write down. Step one. Introducing your bodyguard. Picture someone you would like to have as your very own personal bodyguard to have by your side when you're feeling threatened and unsafe. For example, I imagine that my bodyguard is Samuel L. Jackson's character, Jules, from Pulp Fiction. What does yours look like? What's their name? They can be human, animal, mythological, whatever you most connect with. Step two, why do you have a bodyguard? Imagine that blank has been with you since you were born. It's inevitable that we will encounter threats in our life, and this bodyguard is there as a psychological defense to keep us safe. As you move through your childhood and adolescence, blank is highly alert to what it is that makes you feel hurt, sad, and afraid. Therefore, they are going to do whatever it takes to keep you from feeling that way. In theory, this sounds great. Who doesn't want to avoid those feelings? But the problem is that blank is hypervigilant. They take care of the job protecting you very seriously. So even though blank means well, there's a downside to this called overprotection. Anytime someone is overprotected, they risk one, being unable to experience life to the fullest, two, stunted growth, three, hiding truths from themselves. For example, blank saw you pry open your trunk of secrets their ears perked up as they heard your hidden thoughts and feelings about your gender identity rustling around in there. They looked up and saw you crouched over the trunk, reaching your hand in, beginning to lift the part of you out. Hoping they could get to it before it was too late, Blink sprinted towards you, bellowing out to your trunk, You there, close your lid and don't open it ever again. I don't want you to harm my human. In the past, Blink has seen what it's like when you tried to let that part of you out. They didn't like what they saw happen to you, not one bit, so they grabbed that part of you and put it in the trunk, hoping it was for good. Anytime Blank thought someone, maybe even you, 
was getting too close to that trunk for comfort, they would pull out a weapon. Whatever they thought might work. Gun, knife, nunchucks. Your bodyguard's weapon is actually your fear. Blank knows just what to say while holding up that weapon. Anything that will keep you from getting closer to opening that trunk. You know I hate to do this, but I can't allow you to go into that trunk. Do you remember how you felt before I locked all that stuff in there? Do you want to be judged? Hurt? Cast out? Let me remind you what will happen if you take that out of the trunk. Your bodyguard is really only trying to protect you and keep you from harm. But your bodyguard does not know what actually constitutes a real threat. This means fear, aka your bodyguard, aka yourself, can mislead you into believing things that may not actually be true. Additionally, even if there are actual threats for you and your bodyguard to reckon with, you have the right to choose self-actualization over continued repression. Step 3. Creating a relationship with your bodyguard. It might take a while for you to recognize when your bodyguard is making their presence known. However, once you are able to do this, you can develop the habit of starting a dialogue with them whenever your fear surfaces. Here are some ways you can do that. 1. Thank them for being there for you all of this time. 2. Remind them that you know this is going to be scary, but you can get through this together. 3. Ask them to continue to let you know when they think you are in danger because this can help you be more vigilant and cautious. 4. Encourage them to understand your point of view and listen to their point of view as well. Here's an example of how this can work. Scene. Dara is hanging out in her office, deep in thought. Dara to self. I think I'm ready to get a big tattoo on my right forearm. It's something I've always admired on others, and I've imagined it on myself and really like the thought of it. Jules enters the room. Uh, hey Dara, I couldn't help but notice that your line of thinking just now, and as your bodyguard, I have to say, I'm getting a bit concerned about it. Dara, hey Jules, what's up? What do you mean? Jules, well, I mean, think about it. When you were a kid, you would do some, let's say, not-so-feminine things with your friends, and most of the time you got made fun of for it. Dara, yeah, I remember that. Like when I'd try to play football at recess with the guys, how I'd want to be Han Solo instead of Princess Leia. How I liked having short hair and wore jeans and t-shirts all the time. Jules, right. Do you remember feeling so awkward and weird and isolated? I hated seeing you go through that. That's when I told those not-so-feminine feelings of yours to fuck off because I didn't want to see you hurt anymore. Dara, so you see me getting this tattoo as a not-so-feminine thing, huh? Jules, not just yes, but hell yes. I'm not saying I don't think this is a true expression of who you are or that it wouldn't look cool as shit to have it. But think about the judgment, the looks, the snickering. You'd be labeled as butchy or a wannabe guy, you know? Dara, I can definitely see why you're worried about this. But don't forget, I'm 40 years old now, not 8. I really do think that I'm ready for a step like this. And even if those things happen, I don't know if I really care anymore. Jules, swinging his gun around and stomping his feet. Dara, you're killing me here. I really do hear what you're saying, and I'm almost convinced that I might be over and acting overly protective right now, but it just makes me so nervous. I don't want to see you get hurt, kid. Dara, you're awesome, Jules. I'm lucky to have you on my side. Look, let's find a way to do this nice and slow so you can feel a little more relaxed. I will always need you here to watch out for me. Jules, aw, okay, I'm open to trying out the idea. How about we grab a big kahuna burger? All this serious talk's gotten me starving. The next time one of your fears arises, take time to dialogue with your bodyguard to learn more about the roots of that fear.
Setting appointment times with your fears. If you find yourself constantly interrupted by your fear list, then this exercise is for you. Fears often come up without any warning in the middle of your workday, while you're hanging out with your partner, kids, pets, in the middle of a test at school. They can also slowly keep seep into your mind when you are more relaxed, therefore more vulnerable, when you're driving, showering, when you're trying to sleep. This exercise will help you create a plan for keeping your fears from overwhelming you and interrupting your life. You'll learn to do this by setting appointment times with your fears. By doing so, you gain control of your fears instead of letting them control you. When you set boundaries with your fears, you're saying to them, I'm sorry, but I'm in the middle of something right now. You'll have to make an appointment and I'll get back to you then. So go ahead and give this a try. You're also going to want to write this down too. Step one, when do they arrive? Think about a typical day. Are there certain times when your fears come up? Are there certain situations that trigger them? Step two, where can you meet them? Now imagine places where you can spend time with these fears. This could be in your car, a room in your home, somewhere out in nature, cafe, gym, so on. Step three, how long will you meet with them? Decide on a period of time you're going to set aside for these appointments with your fears. Start with a small number, such as 5 or 10 minutes, and then increase from there as you get the hang of this. Step 4. How many times per day? How many times a day will you set these appointments? Eventually, you may be able to change this to how many times per week. Step 5. Where will you keep track of your appointments? What is your favorite method of keeping track of things? This could be a notebook, on your phone, or your computer. Step six, scheduling your appointments. During your day, whenever a fear comes up, if it is not during one of those designated appointment times to spend with your fears, jot it down in the log you identified in step five, where will you keep track of your appointments? Give yourself permission to let it go, knowing that you will definitely be dealing with it later. Step seven, self-care before your appointment. When your next fear appointment arrives, go to one of the places you listed under step two. Choose an activity from your self-care worksheet to do at the beginning of the appointment. Do the same activity each time as this will create a comforting and grounding ritual. Step eight, start the clock. Set a timer, watch, phone, computer, for however many minutes you have scheduled the appointment for. Step nine, let the appointment begin. One, take a deep breath and say, aloud or silently, so, fear, what brings you in today? Two, then totally immerse yourself in the experience. Three, during the meeting, you can dialogue out loud, journal, scream, stomp around, punch the air, dance, laugh in fear's face, video, audio record yourself, draw, sing about it. Four, don't stop until your timer goes off. Five, take another deep breath and say, well, thanks for coming, fear. See you at our next appointment. Step 10, self-care after your appointment. Start paying attention to when your fears make themselves known. Get into the habit of keeping track of them to tend to later and create a ritual for when you'll be spending quality time with these fears. This will reduce the amount of distraction they create in your life and put you in the driver's seat as to when they'll be addressed. Take a positive approach. If you believe in the power of the mind to change a negative to a positive, then give any or all of the following pointers a try. Think of these as magic elixirs that you can whip out of your cloak at the first sign of fear arising and douse it with these tips. One, remember why you're doing this. P, 
People don't transition to become less happy. I heard this at the 2015 Transforming Gender Conference in Boulder, Colorado, and was struck by its simple yet empowering truth. We all go through transitions over the course of our lifetimes. We go through them hoping to improve our lives, even if it's totally nerve-wracking while we're going through it. Whether or not you end up literally transitioning, with regard to your gender identity, taking a closer look at yourself will more than likely result in a life transition for you. This is a reminder of why it is you are tired of feeling the way you feel and living the way you live. Although you may have unhappy moments along the way, your goal is to move toward a more happy or content, peaceful or balanced, whatever word works for you. Two, focus on the possible possible positive outcomes. Sometimes it's hard to know what you will end up enjoying after you go through a life transition. Right now, take a moment to imagine what your life could be like several years after you've embarked upon your gender identity journey. Think about what sorts of positive changes have occurred. Let your mind wander through the possibilities of this new life. Here, you want to list at least five positive changes that you can see resulting from making a life transition. What you've written about gives you hope. Hope is one of the most powerful elixirs you can use against fear. Three, expose yourself to more positive narratives. Many of you use social media and more than likely read through the feed on your favorite platform several times a day. More than likely, you are friends with or follow people who are transgender, non-binary, gender diverse, or questioning their gender identity. You may follow or subscribe to groups and organizations that share these kinds of stories and experiences. Next time you're pursuing perusing social media, pay attention to the type of messages, videos, and stories that you're taking in. Let's look closer at the first 10 to 20 posts, tweets, pictures, messages, or videos that you see. How many of them leave you feeling better? Inspired? Motivated? Excited? How many of them make you f- leave you feeling worse? Worried? Defeated? Depressed? If your worst number is higher than your better number, then something needs to change. Go through and remove, hide, unlike, unfollow, block people and groups that you need to distance yourself from, even if it's just temporarily. So you can increase the positive number of messages that you're receiving and decrease the amount of negative messages. Start keeping track of your social media exposure and what it is that makes you feel better and what makes you feel worse. Take this empowering step towards gaining control over the types of messages you're taking in on a daily basis. Be kind to yourself. There's a good chance that you are unaware of how many negative messages related to gender and gender identity that you've taken in over the years. These messages create self-loathing and shame, which fear hungrily feeds upon. Therefore, we need to minimize how much you might be working against yourself during your gender identity exploration. The following are ideas as to how you can do this by being kinder to yourself over the course of your journey. Put your self-care checklist to work. Find at least one activity every day to do for yourself from your checklist. You can certainly do more as well as doing several at the same time. Continue to add ideas to that self-care checklist as you discover what it is you enjoy in life, what brings you into balance, and what gives you comfort. If you didn't receive an adequate amount of care during your childhood and or didn't have self-care modeled for you, 
this might be difficult to try and can feel initially uncomfortable. Take it slow and allow yourself to adjust to self-care becoming a regular part of your daily life. Your body and mind will eventually begin to ease into it, so keep at it until it becomes as natural to you as breathing. Cut down on excessive escapism. You may have noticed that you indulge too much and too often in certain activities on your self-care checklist. These activities, if done in excess, can become distractions and escapes that inhibit forward motion. If reading that caused you to feel even a little uncomfortable, ask yourself, is this true for me? If you answered yes or maybe, then this is no easy step to take. These activities have provided you with comfort over the years, protecting you from whatever it is that you've buried about yourself. However, these self-care activities crossed over at some point into an avoidance technique. List here what activities on your self-care checklist do you think you might use for avoidance and or excessive escapism. Let's approach cutting back on avoidance and excessive escapism in your life step by step. Step one, cutting back a little at a time. If you're spending, on average, four hours a day playing online games, cut it down to three. If you watch Netflix 12 hours a week, cut it down to ten. If you're on social, me- social media three hours a day, cut it down to two and a half. During this time, you can continue to work through more of this guide, explore whatever it is that this guide stirs up and inspires in you, journal about the challenges that you encounter, what did and didn't work, and how you're going to stay motivated and keep moving forward. Or do a different self-care activity that you know is not excessively escapist. Continue to chip away at the amount of time you are in the excessive zone with any of the self-care activities. You'll know you've reached your sweet spot with these activities when you can sense that they are helping you recuperate as opposed to helping you avoid. Step 2. Determining the right amount of time. Next time you're overindulging in one of your self-care activities, listen to that little voice inside that says, I should probably stop soon. Or just one more chapter, episode, game. Think of this voice as an alarm clock inside of you that has a snooze button. That little voice goes off, you hit the snooze. The little voice goes off again 15 minutes later. Time to stop, the little voice says. This is when you should close down, shut it, walk away, find something else to do. At what point during your activity do you usually begin to hear this voice? Once you get out of once you get into the habit of catching this voice when it comes up, set an actual timer for 15 minutes, giving you time to wrap up your activity. When the timer goes off, stop what you're doing, no matter what. Have something else already planned for you to do when you stop. Step three, find other things to do. The activity doesn't matter as much as being sure to already have it planned. One trick is to make this something that you have to do at the time you are supposed to stop what you're doing. Tell someone you'll call them at the time you need to stop your activity. Tell a family member or friend you'll meet them somewhere, pick them up at a certain time. Have a class, meeting, or gathering that you're really motivated to go to. Turning to activities on your self-care checklist that engage a completely different part of your mind, changing up your environment, and awakening your other senses Awakening your other senses can also help to break these patterns of behavior. This can include physical activity, meditation, cooking, baking, listening to music, taking a shower, sitting in the park, etc. What activities can you schedule for yourself ahead of time so you can do them once you stop your excessively escapist activity? Create a nurturer. 
At the very heart of self-care is the ability to receive nurturing. What does the word nurturing bring up for you? What do you imagine, ideally, that the experience of nurturing would feel like to you? This answer will be different for everyone. Some people need warm, comforting, and gentle nurturing. Others need nurturing that is wise and mentor-like. Still, others enjoy a more playful, enthusiastic, and empowering side of nurturing. There are even those who connect best with the tough love approach of nurturing. Your nurturer can also work together with your bodyguard as a team. The nurturer can be there to help keep your bodyguard calm, enabling you to be able to turn to both of them for advice, to complain about life, to lean on for support. Use the space below, or in your journal, um, to create your very own nurturer. If you want to picture an animal instead of a person, such as a lioness or a mythical creature, then by all means do so. The only stipulation is that they need to be someone or something that you can easily conjure up in your mind when you're in need of nurturing. Imagine them holding you, preparing you tea or a big lunch, listening to you, giving you advice, or making you laugh. The mind is powerful enough that if you allow yourself to really sink into these experiences with your nurturer, you'll feel physically better afterwards. A reduction of your blood pressure, slowing of your breathing, a calming of your mind. Here, you want to describe your ideal nurturer. The next time you're in need of comfort, call upon your nurturer for help. This will serve as a reminder to you that your self-care must become a priority and that you deserve to be treated with care, compassion, and love.